the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. King Lemuel contributed what many believe to be the greatest chapter of wisdom literature ever written. And what he was really doing was repeating all his mom told him. <laughs> to say it another way, his mother's influence was so complete that he took her words as his own. And he actually called them an oracle. Did he see them as words from God? I know a lot of moms would like their kids to see that. <laughs> Did he see his mom as a prophet? Or simply, what's more likely, a wonderful, godly woman? Now, I must confess, <clears throat> I never once thought my mom was speaking the words of God. <laughs> you know, maybe your mom spoke oracles, but as the mother of ten, my mom was lucky to still be saying sane things at the end of the day, okay? <laughs> there were ten of us, right? <laughs> and as, as to our king's mom, it is true. Some people wonder, is this a real woman at all? Have you read this? <laughs> is this a real woman? It's maybe a stylized mother who represents wisdom. Maybe that's what it is. But I don't. Think so, actually. I think I believe this is a real person. One thing's for sure: this is a great example of the influence of a mother, as it should be. Your influence, moms, no matter the age of your children, is probably greater than you realize. Of course, there's that important truth we shouldn't skip. Dick Cavett said it this way: If your parents never had children. Chances are you don't won't either. <laughs> okay. Not everybody's a parent, okay? <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we can't, every one of us, learn from this mom. Your influence with younger people is probably greater than you realize. So listen up. You'll get it. But back to our particular royalty. How did King Lemuel's mom influence her son? First with a passionate plea to listen. What are you doing, my son? Twice at the beginning of Proverbs, we see a wonderful coupling. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Or, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. All right. It's true that all Hebrew wisdom literature is in pairs so it could be argued that the writer was simply adding the obvious second part of these expressions. But I don't think so. The pairing is not just to let us know that it's structured language, technically poetry, but also to clarify the meaning. The instructions of both father and mother are important in a man's life. But let's get to some actual teaching of a mother, but a different mother. Twice Paul wrote letters to Timothy copies of which we still have. In the last letter he ever wrote, Paul said, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Thus we see the influence of the women in one man's life, mom and grandmother. Never underestimate the power of a grandparent's influence. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy 
You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Expose your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids to Scripture as early as possible. And by the way, remember when that was popular? Disregard the stupidity of letting them choose whether or not they'll get involved in religion. If you believe Jesus rose from the dead, then tell them that that is the truth. Why would you leave them wondering? And use the relationship God gave you to make a request to influence your kids. What are you doing, son of my womb? One of my favorite signs that I've ever seen was on the door of a maternity room in the hospital. It said, push, push, push. (laughs) I just, that was, sorry, that was just a perfect sign. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying to do the, I was in labor for 47 hours with you thing. You know, don't do that. Don't be like the mom of the comedian who said, my mother is a travel agent for guilt trips. I don't know if you heard that one. Yeah. Think of it more along these lines. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you, God said. The influence of mothers follows their compassion for their kids. Some years ago, a nun began going to a local prison, helping out wherever she could. Mostly she helped those men that hadn't learned to read or write very well. So a while after, or a while before Mother's Day, one of the prisoners asked if she could help get a card for his mother. She, of course, said yes. By her next visit, there were dozens of requests for Mother's Day cards. Before the actual day, hundreds, hundreds of prisoners had made requests to the point where she had to ask for special funding just to be able to afford the cards. Being a proactive sort of woman, she saw Father's Day coming, and she decided not to get off guard this time, and she ordered a box of 500 Father's Day cards. She was telling this story uh, nearly two decades after the fact, And in sadness, she pointed out that she still has every single one of those Father's Day cards. No prisoner ever asked for even one Father's Day card. Wow. I'm pretty sure the problem wasn't with every one of those fathers. (laughs) But the point for us today is that even when men fail miserably and end up in prison, their mothers maintain amazing influence. Please use that ability to inspire good actions and tell them how to live life wisely. As Lemuel's mom does. What are you doing, son of my vows? Well, here's a vow from another mom. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Not sure why the names are the same, but a person from the town of Nazareth was called a Nazarene, just as is a person dedicated to God in this special way. As a sign, and symbolically in this vow, was the fact that they never cut their hair. Here's a fun aside for you. The Bible clearly says that Jesus was called a Nazarene because he was from Nazareth. So he did not have long hair. In fact, it was considered disgraceful for a man to have long hair unless 
He did live as a Nazarite, a person specially dedicated to God. So if your kid says, why do I have to get my hair cut? Jesus let his hair grow long. <laughs> you can say, no, he didn't. And the guys who did were like John the Baptist who snacked on toasted bugs. You want to do that too? <laughs> Back to Hannah, whose vow we just read. Her son Samuel was Israel's last ruling judge and one of its greatest prophets. This story was taught carefully to all Jewish children. Lemuel certainly would have heard it. And he knew his ancestry was from David, the boy Samuel, crowned king. Have you ever made a promise to God, a vow? If only he will do X for your children. It's not a bad idea if you do it carefully. <laughs> so maybe, maybe you should make a vow to God for help with your kids. Well, the next thing our queen mother touches on is a plea for self-control. And the first is a plea for self-control with women. Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. And mom's influence on man's first big problem. James Dobson once said, Hormones in boys peak at 16 and drop by about 15% by 25. And they stay there till they're 85. <laughs> then he went on to say, well, maybe longer, but I'm not that old yet. I don't know. <laughs> Psychologist Dr. Jack Williamson, a friend of mine actually, often pointed out that if you want to understand the behavior of a person, understand that the brain is a pharmacy. With boys, remember, the brain is a pharmacy. It really affects them. So moms, say something to your kids. Maybe something like this. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Illicit sexuality is enormously destructive. But kings, <laughs> kings did not have to go to houses of ill repute back then, should they? aim to fail in this way. No, they made laws to allow themselves to have multiple wives and even concubines. They made it all nice and legal. And it costs even the best of them. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations, there was no king like him who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. I wish I could tell you it wasn't so, but it is. We have the same problem now. How do mothers influence their sons to keep away from this temptation when we have consenting adult laws? When we've made it all nice and legal? And when the internet caters to our temptations with just one click of a mouse? And some contend that it's the girls that get hurt while the boys have all the fun. Society says males have all the advantages. You know, why buy the cow when the milk is free? <laughs> but it's not free. 
The Bible says men pay as well, and they pay big. How many mothers' hearts have been broken by sons who took shortcuts in the marital affairs? How many old men and women live lives of lonely desperation all because they didn't heed this mom's advice or maybe never heard it? So please, please tell your sons and grandsons this truth and don't forget your daughters. They may very well listen to you. I mean, they might. (laughs) And you could save them a lot of pain. But go beyond even that. Lemuel's mother was also concerned about self-control with stimulants. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Rick Warren starts The Purpose Driven Life, his book, with this truth. It's not about you. (laughs) And let's face it, alcohol, drugs, etc., they're all about the self, about getting something for yourself. In his better days, Solomon wrote, Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. The Bible is filled with examples of those who had feasts for the purpose of getting drunk. Belshazzar in the Old Testament and Herod in the New illustrate this kind quite clearly. They lived by that saying, Your conscience is what hurts when everything else feels so good. They lived that all the way until they had no conscience, all the way to their destruction. It just doesn't work. We find this concern of Lemuel's mom also in the qualifications for leaders of the church, the elders and the deacons. But no Christian is to allow any stimulant to control them. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Self-control in all things is vitally important. It does reflect our spiritual condition, but it also determines our happiness here on earth. Buy your kids some happiness, some joy. Tell them to watch out for this trap. But our mom of the day wants to go beyond Lemuel himself as she makes a plea for godly behavior. She starts by pointing out that the proper use of stimulants may be charitable. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Now true, this could be a us versus them statement. Are those who drink to forget their poverty fools, in other words? Is it not better to be in the house of mourning, as it says earlier in Proverbs? Now, of course, it's also true that there was no medical anesthesia at the time. None. (laughs) So wine was truly for medicinal use. None other than Paul the Apostle wrote to his very conscientious pupil, Timothy, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. This was a footnote concerning Timothy's effectiveness as a pastor. If you're not aware, there was no water purification back then, and Timothy was getting sick from picking up germs in the water because he didn't want to take any alcohol in case it might make him pervert the cause of justice. But adding a small amount of alcohol would kill the germs before he drank the water. 
I always, I always thought that truth alone should keep one from drinking too much. The alcohol kills the germs. Uh, oh well. Anyway, it may very well be that this is the beginning of Lemuel's mom's instructions in caring for others. And she goes on with a plea for righteous behavior. Open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Kings were the judges also back then, and they needed to judge right. And here it is, you know, the mention of that other issue men have, money and power, <laughs> go right together there. Stooping to help those who cannot help themselves is a sign of righteousness, of godliness of maturity. So please, moms, influence your sons and daughters to self-sacrifice. Jesus was our perfect example. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. There's that funny quip, I don't know if you've heard it. Growing old is inevitable, growing up is optional. <laughs> but the point here is that this is an issue of maturity in specific spiritual maturity. We have to convince our kids, no matter their age, that to care for others and not to do like those that we see all around us and not what we hear all around us is the right thing to do. And specifically, to care for them in not tolerating evil. It's been decades since Walter Barton first said, if we get any more open-minded, our brains are going to fall out on the table. <laughs> it's not okay to tolerate evil. We should speak out about it. Open your mouth, especially for those who can't defend themselves. Well, we spent a good amount of time thinking about what this woman taught her royal son. There's more, and you should read it. But now I'd like to ask another question. Who was King Lemuel's mom? <laughs> the answer to that is a lesson in God's grace. It goes like this. The name Lemuel means devoted to God. This mother devoted her son to God. But many believe that this name became a sort of family name to none other than King Solomon. That name, Solomon, means peace. It was given to him at birth by his father, King David. You see, after all the tumultuous events surrounding his mother and father, including the conception and infant death of his older brother, they needed some peace. <laughs> and God agreed. And he sent a prophet to them to tell them that he particularly loved this new child. And so David added another name to our young king-to-be, Jedidiah, beloved of Yahweh. Now here's where the grace part comes in. If Lemuel is Solomon then his mother is Bathsheba, the wife who had an affair with the king while her husband was off fighting the war. Oh. So even though the result of her sin, which included the death of her husband and the death of her first son, God appears to have forgiven her. 
as he had David, and he specifically sent the prophet Nathan to announce that God loved Solomon. What an amazing picture of grace. I mean, don't you love it? God can forgive you. He can. I don't think most of us had our spouses killed. <laughs> wow. God, moms, can forgive your offspring. And remember, all have sinned. All. <laughs> There's no getting out of this. So this lesson is true about grace, even if Lemuel's mom wasn't Bathsheba. But let's say it another way. You can influence your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, towards godliness, even if you have acted in an ungodly way. And really check that. Even though you have acted in an ungodly way, because we're all Bathshebas in one form or another. So, with whatever kids you have in your life, tell them, learn from the mistakes of others. You won't have a lo long enough time to make them all yourself. <laughs> not going to work anyway. And it might be true that good judgment comes from experience and experience usually comes from bad judgment. But our children don't have to suffer that experience that comes from bad judgment. If we are willing to tell them how to live right, to influence them to godly living. And yes, it's true. It's easier to fight for one's principles than to live up to them. <laughs> Human beings who are almost unique in having the ability to learn from the experience of others are also remarkable for their apparent disinclination to do so. But our kids don't have to suffer this way. They can live fulfilled and joy-filled lives if we will simply follow the example of King Lemuel's mom and speak up. Say it. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, my daughter? Father, I thank you for this woman that probably was Bathsheba. Failed most miserably, terribly publicly, just a horrible failure of just dramatic proportions, causing death uh, of her husband, her son, three other of David's sons. Just a terrible, terrible tragedy. But from it, she did learn. She learned about your grace. And even though she was a failure, just a terrible failure in many ways, she didn't stay there. Because you cared for her. And you taught her. And she turned around and taught this new son that you had given her. And she taught and poured out her heart to him. She did not stay quiet. She talked to him. She said, my son, what are you doing? Make sure you're doing right. And she gave him good instructions that we can use today. Still, 3,000 years after the fact. And we can still use these instructions to help the kids that we're surrounded with, whether they're ours biologically, by adoption, by just association. Maybe we just know these people. And we can help those who are older than us too, just to help them to reach out to other people. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful mother. Maybe people wouldn't have said wonderful at first. 
But in the end, in the end, she learned. And she learned how to do it well. And that's all that matters. It's how we end up that matters everything. That, that's, that's the determiner for everything. Help us, Lord, to continue to get better. No matter where we started from, you can bring us and you will bring us because of your grace to your eternal home. And there we will, each one of us, be perfect. And on the way, we can get a little more sanctification, setting apart for you for good. We can get a little better, a little better as we go. Help us, Lord, to do that. In particular today, help us to think about how we can influence the young people in our lives towards you, towards right living, which will help them and will help us to grow in you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message first heard at Living Hope Church of Westport. Please feel free to worship with us, maybe this next Sunday. You can also join us online at southbeachhope.org. We'd appreciate your financial support if that is possible. We are a tiny church in a small town, but at least with the help of Sermon.net, we can share the good news with you and everyone around the world. Hopefully we'll someday be able to worship God together in person, if not in Westport, at least in the rapture.